Welcome to the Time Lords Podcast. We go beyond the buzzwords to learn exactly how people are building the industrial internet of things and using time series data to transform their businesses. I'm your host, Lonnie Bowling. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by guests Jim Gao, the CEO and co-founder, and Jordy, Jordy uh, Dickers, AI research engineer with Phaedra. Hi, guys. Thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. And um, Jim and Jordy, welcome to the show. And for our listeners that don't know you, could you share a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Uh, thanks for having us, uh, of course. Um, so yeah, my name is uh, Jordi, and um, I'm an AI research scientist at, uh, at Fedra. Um, so my, my background is actually in chemical engineering, um, but got really interested in uh, AI during my studies. And um, once Jim and I got more in contact, because I thought what Jim did at Google was so interesting. Um, yeah, it, it's, it became uh, really interesting for me to also join the company, because I think it's so awesome what, uh, what we're doing here. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing mostly, um, AI stuff right now and, um, will also be, yeah, more of a, uh, a bridge between the customer and, uh, the AI technology once we start working, uh, together with, uh, with more people. Cool. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, Jim? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is, this is Jim over here. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to be on this, uh, the Time Lords podcast. Um, uh, so my name is Jim. Um, I uh, I actually start off as a mechanical engineer many mm -hmm. years ago. So uh, when I was a, a wee lad, you know, graduating from Berkeley, you know, I had studied mechanical engineering, and my first job out of university was um, joining Google's data center team. And you know, back then Google was um, a, a smaller company where, print you know, quotes uh, air quotes only like ten thousand employees or so. Of course, it's much bigger now. Mm -hmm. But uh, my my job at the time was primarily designing and operating these very large data centers, which are, and as I'm sure many folks will be familiar with, you know, just very large warehouses filled with, you know, thousands to sometimes millions of servers consuming very large amounts yes. of energy and thereby creating a lot of heat. And of course, when you create lots of heat, you need mechanical systems to remove the heat, you know, just essentially very large HVC, you know, heating, ventilation, air conditioning equipment to get rid mm -hmm. of the heat. Um, so that was my job, designing and operating these systems. Um, and around like 2014, 2015, you know, the buzzword around Silicon Valley was AI. And now everyone was suddenly an AI first company. And I thought, yeah. Oh my God, I need to learn about this AI. Um, <laughs> so uh, I took Andrew Wing's, you know, famous, you know, um, Coursera uh, machine learning course, uh -huh. dabbling with some AI, um, applied it to the data centers, which, you know, we'll tell you more about shortly. But the, the, the TLDR summary is that um, it worked surprisingly well, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was surprising for a lot of folks, um, including myself, since it was literally my job to, you know, um, figure out ways of operating, you know, the data center efficiently. Yeah. Um, you know, we productionized the service, you know, uh, we, you know, I jumped to DeepMind, which we can talk about later as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, the, the summary here is that we discovered the technology can do a lot of things. Um, so, uh, and we didn't think that it was um, right that, you know, the technology should stay locked up, you know, for very specific applications. So 
we left in order to uh, to bring the the benefits of this technology to the industrial sector more broadly. And you know that's that's kind of the founding story of Phaedra. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, I remember uh, watching Google's presentation on AlphaGo, and um, you know that project. And I think everybody in the world knows about that. Just about anybody I mentioned it to, they they've seen that presentation. And then um, and then they also talked about the data center work as kind of like a a you know a real world. Okay, you know it's great that you know we can have AI do this amazing thing with with Go, but uh, you know it actually has a lot of practical things that could potentially happen. And and that that got my attention when I saw the uh, the graph. You know the famous graph. Now I think of it as famous graph of your data center power. I won't, I won't totally spoil it here, but uh, but anyway, you know that uh, that got my attention because um, you know as somebody that works in this space and somebody that's you know I you know as I was telling you before the before we started recording that I had actually worked in some data centers, so I, I had a I had an appreciation for that for for what you did, and were able to demonstrate. And then, um, you know, and then as it turns out, we were able to, um, we were able to link up through Time Lords. And so, uh, and, 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 and to find out now that you're, you're taking the next step, that really got me super interested in, in what, what your, what your vision is and how you're, um, what, what you're, what you're thinking of trying to do and how this could get actually, you know, put into real use by people like me and, and the companies that I work with. So um, yeah, why don't you just for because there may be folks that haven't seen that presentation. If you want to just give us like the, the quick a quick summary of what what you ended up doing and now you know where where you're going to go with it next, uh, I think that would be really awesome to hear. Yeah, um, of course. So um, essentially, what you know what we did was um, we created um, initially a recommendations service that eventually became a fully automated um, AI control system for Google's data center. So to this day, there is an AI agent that lives in the cloud, you know, obviously Google's cloud because mm -hmm. it'd be lived in AWS or Azure. <laughs> right. And, you know, every, uh, every you know, a couple minutes, it uh, will pull the most recent data from the building management system or the SCADA system where the data lives, um, it computes what the optimal actions are for every data center. And it sends those actions back to the programmable logic controllers or the yeah. PLC in the field um, for automatic implementation. Now, the reason why um, we saw quite large energy savings. So through many, you know, many quarters of testing across, you know, many um, data centers, uh, we saw about 40% energy savings on average. And, you know, I think that figure is surprising for a lot of folks, you know, including myself. Like most people think, well, like, you know, usually you hear about like, you know, 5% or something. Yeah. You're like, 40%, you know, it's just- 40% is, is massive. I mean, that's, that's massive. You know, the first reaction of most folks, you know, again, including myself, is like either this is marketing hype or like there's yeah. a bug where like surely something is wrong. Jim, you know what I don't understand is why did you guys actually turn it off in that graph? It's like you, the graph is like up here and then it goes down and then you're like, and then you turn it back off and then it goes up. It's like, why, why did you turn it off? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's when we were doing testing, right? So right. Um, yeah. Recommendations service where we'd spend like an entire day doing AI recommendations testing, and then at the end of the day, folks go back home, right? So uh -huh. we, we'll turn it off. <laughs> but 
you know, I, I think that for me, you know, um, and, you know, I suspect the same is true for Jordi, right? Like, we're excited about the application of AI to industrial systems because there is so much room for optimization, right? Um, the way I normally, um, you know, explain this to folks who may not be familiar with the industrial sector, although for this podcast, I think most folks will be familiar. Yeah. These are highly complex systems underpinned by tremendous amounts of data, right? Like they literally, you know, since the advent of digital controllers in the 1980s, like, you know, these systems have been automated in order to automate, you need to first, you know, measure and sensorize. Um, and there's also incredible complexity, right? Like even if we took a toy system with like 10 pieces of equipment, and each one of those 10 pieces of equipment had 10 set points, the permutational complexity explodes, right? You've got 10 raised to the 10 or 10 billion different ways that you could operate your industrial system that is a toy example. Mm -hmm. How do you actually know which one is the optimal way of operating at any given time? By the way, the weather's changing, the, the business KPIs are changing, the people are changing, the equipment is degrading. Like there's a lot of dynamism in the system, right? Definitely. So I think, you know, the, the intuition for why, you know, the 40% savings is quite large and also why we think there's opportunity um, in general in this area is that these are enormously complex systems that exceeds the capabilities of most traditional methods for optimization, right? It's not at all, you know, clear or intuitive. You know, if I make an action here, what is the overall effect on, you know, the, you know, the overall system, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a, it's a really, uh, it's a really interesting area for, you know, for AI, which of course is why, you know, Jordi and I are, are working on, you know, on, on Phaedra, right. In you know, in order to bring the benefits of this technology to more folks. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, oh, go, go ahead, Jordi. Um, yeah. The, the, there's, there's an incredible opportunity within the, um, processing and chemicals industry and, um, in 2018, I was visiting the Akema um, conference. Uh, this is a really big conference in Germany. And the main buzzwords were uh, big data and AI there. Mm -hmm. um, but when you like looked at the presentations of everybody, they, they were just throwing the words, but nobody really knew what, how to do everything or where to even start. Um, so when, when I also saw that 40% energy savings, I was also like, yeah, that's, <laughs> how is that possible? Um, and to that defense, I think the chemicals industry is a little bit older, so it might be a little bit more optimized. Um, so 40% might be uh, a little bit high, but even if you get like what you said, 5%, that's already bizarrely big. Um, so yeah, thinking more about that um, after that, uh, that, uh, that fair at the Akema, I became uh, more interested and that's how I uh, met up with Jim and yeah, we're now figuring out what, what works um, by using simulations um, and, 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 and trying our algorithms on there. And you can really see the power of the algorithms, like how insanely good it is at predicting um, values within the system um, once it has enough uh, input parameters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, uh, you know, part of part of the challenge that I have, you know, when when machine because it was a, it was a similar situation for me when when AI, machine learning, big data all kind of arrived seemed like overnight, 
and uh, and 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 it, and it's sort of being talked about in the industrial space, you know, with a lot of enthusiasm. You know, um, you know, I immediately took some machine learning courses just to kind of get an understanding of what what it is that we're really talking about here. And you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I had no intentions of really going back to school. Um, and learning this stuff like you did, Jim. And, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, I think I want to be a pick, uh, the picks and shovel guy. I want to help. I want to help enable that because there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that have to be solved, not just the, um, the, uh, the AI part or the machine learning part, right? That there are models, but as you, as you know, and what you're talking about, Jim, is like there, there is a lot of, there's a lot of work to be done with getting the data into these systems and connecting them to, uh, back to the control systems and being able to actually make a, a, a solution work in in the real world. It's not uh, it's not straightforward, and and so I always envisioned, you know, that that there would be this um, these uh, like uh, tools out there, and you know we could call them AI, machine learning, whatever they are. But somebody like me could take that. And then do this uh, and connect in the stuff I need to connect in uh, as the inputs and outputs, monitor it, and then actually like commission something without having to be a data scientist, you know, and the data scientist can work on those things. But that's, that was kind of my hope back then, right? And, and what, what, ha what I've seen happen in reality is that, is that the, the projects are very one-off projects. So you'll have a data science team. They'll come in, they'll talk to SME subject matter experts, they'll talk to the controls people, they'll like start getting the data, they'll start working with the data, they'll try to figure out, okay, what can we do? How can we do this? And then there'll just be this long integration process of the team kind of learning how to work together and do all these parts and pieces. And so to me, it's it's been very difficult um, to see, you know, and, and to see this. These have been big projects and some have been successful, some have not, but it but it's really hard for for these cross-functional teams to get together and be able to execute. So um, how are you How are you trying to change that? It sounds like you want to change this a little bit, right? You want to change this up with, with your company. And so what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, gosh, you know, what, what, you're, <laughs> what you're describing literally cuts so close to the heart of, you know, why Phaedra even exists today. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, one of the most frustrating things for me about the state of AI and data science, you know, and why there's honestly such a lack of real world applications um, is because of how exclusive the technology currently is. So what I mean by that is companies like Google, Microsoft, Amazon, DeepMind have very advanced AI. There's no doubt about that, right? Um, but not a whole lot of, you know, um, industrial companies have, you know, AI talent and data science talent, right? Right. Barriers to entry for the technology is exorbitantly high, right? If you want to, you know, both, you know, prototype and productionize AI models, today you need to know, you know, PyTorch or TensorFlow, you need to know how to spin up virtual machines, you need to understand, you know, containerization and, you know, Kubernetes, you know, you got to know how to work with Jupyter Notebooks. Oh, by the way, yeah. there's algorithms like DQN or, you know, like, you know, Monte Carlo Tree Search. 
and that that's the world that we live in, right? That's 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 the world of data science and and, and AI. Um, but it's such an exclusive world, right? And and the people who actually understand how these systems work, the the domain experts or the SMEs, as you call them, Lani, mm-hmm. um, you know, they have the knowledge of how these systems actually work. They have the most knowledge of how to apply these technologies, right, to their specific domains, right? But of course, they don't have knowledge about, you know, all the data science and AI technologies that I just talked about. So, you know, Phaedra's Phaedra's mission concretely is to make AI more accessible. And the way that we make AI more accessible is by creating low-code to no-code software that enables domain experts, SMEs, to apply AI rather than, you know, um, AI, you know, engineers, you know, like 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 myself and Yordi, right? right. Or, um, or like yourself, right? I think that the people who should be applying AI, who are the best suited for applying AI, right, are the SMEs themselves, the customers, right? Mm-hmm. And if you do that, right, if it's possible to radically, like I'm talking about, you know, 10x improvement, right? Um, uh, Improve the accessibility of the technology. So like lower the barrier to entry. Then I suspect what will happen is the floodgates will open with a wave of new innovations and actual like real world impact. There's no, there's not much real world impact because the barrier is so high. But if, you know, if you lower the barrier and suddenly a hundred times, a thousand times more people can use AI technology to do things with it. You know, we can't even imagine like what people will, will, will create. Right. And I think, you know, for me, that's the most exciting part of our journey. And, you know, um, you know, and I, and I think, you know, um, you know, Jordi, of course, right. Um, you know, has, you know, has also experienced this, you know, himself. Um, I mean, what, what, what do you think, Jordi? Would you, would you add anything to that? Yeah, I totally agree with this. Um, there is a huge gap. And I think that w- w- to, to give an example for domain expertise is that, um, for example, operators in a production plant, they know exactly that, that if you want to increase the temperature somewhere in the factory, um, that you can do that by turning up this heat pump or mm-hmm. um, increasing the flow rate through this heat exchanger. Um, or they know what happens if you increase the pressure at some vessel. Um, knowing these dependencies are very important in implementing your AI because you know which variables will impact um, your goal and in what ways. Um, and there, this is where the, the big gap is. There's people that know really, really well how the factory works and there's people that know really well how the AI works. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to close that gap because when you can get those fields working together, you can get these really, really, um, really great gains, I think, and uh, lots of energy efficiencies. Here, here. Yeah. You know, um, this has come up a lot in, in, in some of my previous podcasts about this gap, and it's been identified. Uh, it's definitely there. Uh, I, can, I can confirm that. Personally, I've seen it. And so, you know, so let's, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into this, this idea about how, how, how are you going to, how are you going to make that, you know, what, what are you going to do differently, I guess, than, than what's happening now to make, to, to, to bring, to bring this to, to, to life? Because, you know, that the AI part, 
you know, that, that, uh, that algorithm that's just doing the, at the heart of it, right? I mean, it's it's amazingly powerful. You know, you've demonstrated that with the data center work. That this this can actually this could actually be done. But uh, you know, I know, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners know about all the details. Like, I know, like one thing that uh, when I first started getting involved in data projects, everybody talked about the data. Just an ex as an example, the data wasn't uh, clean data. It wasn't good data. We can't train um, our models with this data. We've got to. You know, and and like the first uh, you know months of uh, of work was just trying to figure out how to collect that data and get it cleansed and do whatever, right? So that was like one example of what happens on these projects. It just brings everything to a stop, and we're not getting to that fun part of seeing this model really do what it's doing. So you know, how how are you going to approach that to where that's going to be possible? You know, where we you know we're literally you know we could have like you know the people you know, at the plants or the engineers or whoever working on this and, and able to hook up to to this uh, to this AI and actually be successful with it. What's what's going to be different here? Yeah, um, this is a great question. Um, I'll take a stab at answering it and then I'll pass <laughs> it off to Yordi, you know, to, um, you know, to add on to his thoughts. Oh, and I should have told you I'm going to ask hard questions. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, just, it's, it's just yeah. valid right I mean yeah. because honestly a lot of people it's, it's not a secret that this gap exists and you know I'm even hesitant to call it a gap in my mind it's like it's like a chasm right it's like a value <laughs> is really what it is okay so uh my title of one of my previous podcasts I use the word chasm to describe it so <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know it's yeah it's, it's a valid point a lot of people have tried to close this gap slash chasm slash canyon Right. Right. And, and I failed at it. So what are we doing differently? Um, there's a couple of ways, but I think first I'm going to zoom out a little bit to, to give a gen, to set the context for, you know, what kind of software solution we're envisioning. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we're envisioning, you know, um, no code, um, you know, um, you know, really more like uh you know, I'm hesitant to use the words drag and drop, right? But, you know, more like, you know, visual visual programming and, you know, type software, right? So to make it very, you know, concrete, uh, I think we're all, we all remember how in the late 1990s slash early 2000s, um, it was very difficult to create websites, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you need, you need to know HTML, you need to know CSS, you need to know JavaScript, you need to know how, you know, to, you know, set up your web server. Like, there's a lot of domain knowledge required, right? But if you fast forward 20 years today, right, now anyone, including me, can make a website. And like, I don't know HTML, I don't know CSS, I don't know JavaScript, but you've got companies like Webflow and Wix.com, which I think really pioneered this, the, you know, this space where they have created tools that have abstracted away the complexity of making websites. So now anyone can make beautiful state-of-the-art websites, right? I really like this example because it's kind of our, you know, our Northern Star, you know, our Polaris for how we think about our software, which is there's a lot of things about applying AI that can be abstracted away, right? So that, you know, you can focus on the domain experts. So for example, you know, with things like, um, you know, with, with, with things like setting up your cloud environment, you know, and, you know, your machine learning environment in the cloud, a lot of that we can take care of, mm -hmm. right? 
there are things, you know, obviously around model training where quite a lot of tools exist, you know, like AutoML technologies, right? That have automated, you know, hyperparameter tuning and other things. We can leverage those technologies, right? We can take care of things, you know, like, um, you know, uh, uh, this, you know, high value decision making behind the scenes, right? Where, you know, if you, if you can elicit the right information for what it is that you're trying to optimize for and what are the actions available and the constraints, right? You can take care of a lot of the decision making behind the scenes. But what will never be, you know, automated, what you cannot abstract away is the domain knowledge of the users themselves, right? So, you know, we're envisioning software where people can outline exactly what it is that they want to optimize for, right? What are the boundaries for that optimization? What are the knobs and levers, right, that mm -hmm. they can control, right? And we can take care of the quote-unquote applying AI behind the scenes, right, for them. Now, I think where a lot of this, you know, the trickiness will come into play is um, – in two areas. The first one is around systems integration, right? Which as you've correctly identified, uh, it's pretty damn difficult, right? To yeah. get access to data, especially if it, that data is siloed across multiple warehouses and nobody's looked at it for a long time, right? Um, you know, so that's definitely a challenge that we have to figure out, right? And we have some thoughts around like, you know, solutions we can either build ourselves or work with third party providers for. The other area where I think it gets quite tricky is um, around the data cleaning side, right? So, you know, once again, the people who are most knowledgeable about what good data looks like in these facilities, right, are the domain experts themselves, but yet, you know, they typically, you know, do not look at the data, right? And they're, they're not cleaning the data. I think that's where you kind of have like this, this you know, um, this marriage between, you know, us trying to do as much of the heavy lifting with data cleaning as possible on behalf of our users, right? But also incorporating feedback loops from the users when they do notice something that we've mixed, right? And uh, that we've missed. And a lot of that will come down to um, choosing the first use cases that Phaedra supports extremely carefully, such that we can guarantee with very high confidence, right? Um, that we can actually automate a lot of the data cleaning, right? We're not, tr we, we know it's impossible to go for like 100% of the heavy lifting, but if we can do like 70, 80% of the heavy lifting for our users and kind of have them fill in the gaps on the remaining areas, uh, I would call that a, a pretty good starting place, right? Um, so a bit of a long-winded answer. The, the point that I'm trying to make is, yes, we think it's possible to make... Um, quote unquote, self-serve AI software that abstracts a lot of the, the complexities of applying AI. And um, I think that getting the user interface, you know, and the use cases that we support um, right in the early stages are going to be um, absolutely critical. Um, Yuri, yeah. Uh, yeah, really well put together, I think, uh, Jim. Um, like, like a common um, a thing that you hear within uh, chemical industry when people do modeling is garbage in, garbage out. And as is, it is with machine learning and AI, garbage in is garbage out. You need to have good data. Um, if you don't have good data, then th that's the first step you have to take. And this is why the manufacturing and processing industry is lacking behind um, industries um, uh, that are more digital, such as um, um, 
image classification, uh, companies like Google and, and, and Apple and Amazon. Um, they have been working towards improving this and it's kicking off right now. Um, so so th this is on the side of the, of the companies, but it's something we really want to support in. So as Jim mentioned, our first, uh, or yeah, our initial customers, we will select carefully and we will focus on a narrow field. Um, starting narrow so that we can really make us a software product that works for the people that we work with. So it will be a lot of back and forth. Um, initially having something that is maybe a bit customizable, uh, a bit customized, but in the long run, we want something that is very general. Um, yeah, so it's together with initial customers, we will shape our product um, into something that works for them. And um, yeah, I really want to uh, start with the customers and uh, see how we need to build it. Yeah, I, I think I think this is a great plan. I like. <clears throat> there's a few things I really like about what 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 you two have just mentioned. Um, you know, one is uh, you know this this simplicity. So starting narrow, um, working with some some specific customers and getting some success and understanding of okay, all the all the pieces and parts that are going into these successes. This is what uh, this is where you're going to have to be able to produce. And, and it's going to have to be repeatable. And so if you can, if you can start, you know, figuring out, uh, you know, uh, how to start automating these processes, how to simplify these processes, how to, how to start eliminating all that work that has to be done by uh, everybody, because it feels like every time I get in a project, we're figuring it all out over and over the same thing, right? It's just not mature at all. Everybody's, it's, it, these are crafted solutions. So to, you know, to kind of like bring the factory to this, is going to be it's going to be really great, and I and I am super encouraged to hear that that's that's what you're thinking. And so I like the idea of starting small, uh, figuring out uh, what it's going to take uh, to to have these specific use cases that you can get uh, nailed down on your platform, and then and then being able to go to other people after that and say, okay, this is this is how it works, and and and. And, and we don't have to figure it all out every time, right? Because, because okay, this stuff's all been done. These parts have been done. Yeah, these two or three integration parts are still going to be messy. The data is still going to be, you know, we know that uh, sometimes the sensor data is not there and we got to put in sensors. Sometimes, you know, we have problems with, uh, you know, all, all kinds of stuff happens and it's just, it's just kind of the real world's messy. So, yeah, I commend you guys for 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 taking this on. I think this is a big challenge. I I'm really I'm really uh, super encouraged to hear that you're working on this because this is something that that I think has been needed, and I haven't really heard uh, it happening until you know when I started uh, you know looking into what you guys are up to. I was like, wow, this is exactly what I, I wanted to find somebody that was trying to do this. So uh, so. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about where 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 are you right now? Um, what are you thinking uh, as far as you know your timelines, and when are you going to be? Um, you know, when are we going to be able to use your stuff? <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, I mean, gosh! Uh, thank you, first of all. I mean, we're, we're obviously super super excited as well. Um, we're we're you know we're honestly pretty early in mm -hmm. in our journey. So um, we only rel you know relatively recently you know raised our initial round of capital to fund our startup. Right, um, our team is pretty small right now. We're you know we're completely remote team, 
um, you know, and, and, you know, we're, we're a fairly small company. In terms of our actual, you know, like, um, you know, timeline. So our internal goal right now is to create like um, an alpha release of this product that we just described, right? But mm-hmm. for internal use about a year from now, right? So what, what I mean by this is, you know, um, you know, essentially like dog fooding our own product, right? Where we create this, you know, you know, obviously this this unpolished, you know, kind of like ugly duckling, you know, software that we love internally, right? And, you know, we'll be using our own software to, you know, create AI solutions for, for the, the customers that we work with, right? right? So, you know, really, I think, you know, this philosophy, a, a lot of technology companies have adopted this philosophy, right, over the years. For me, you know, it was something that I learned from my time at Google where, you know, every every product before it's, you know, it's ready to be released is rigorously dog-fooded internally because, you know, if you're your own customer, right, you're much more sensitive, right, to, uh, to you know, mm-hmm. to mis- things. Um, so that's our internal target. And, you know, in terms of, you know, in terms of the, um, you know, the, the, the folks whom we want to work with, right, uh, this is, you know, this is an area where we're, we're actively looking for folks who want to be early adopters of this technology, right? We, we try to be super transparent, you know, and upfront about the fact that, hey, you know, we're an early stage company. This product doesn't exist yet, right? But, you know, but if you are interested in getting the benefits of this technology, right, like, come talk to us. Like, we, we'd love to chat and learn more about what kind of application you have in mind right and see how that fits against our own roadmap because you know we we have to be hyper vigilant about which initial use cases that we do support right because as you mentioned lani right um it's there are so many different use cases out there and it's so dang difficult to generalize. Like no one, you know, has gone from like nothing to boiling the ocean all at once. Right. So the path to generalizability has to be, you know, like staggered sequential use cases that gradually broaden more and more and includes more and more functionality over time. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So TLDR, uh, you know, if if anyone listening to this right has some really cool ideas for AI applications, right? We love to chat with you, and you know, um, but more broadly for ourselves, right? Like our our own timeline is to build some kind of prototype version for our own use internally, right? So that we can test it regularly before you know releasing it to to the external world. Awesome, um, yeah, that's. That's great. Yeah, definitely. If, if, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, my millions of listeners, somebody out there will say, Oh, that's me. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get there though. Um, I have confidence. Let's see. Is there yeah. any, anything else that we didn't, I mean, this is, we're, we're just about out of time here. I don't, uh, if, but if there was something else you guys really wanted to get out, uh, get out there to everybody, you know, I, I, I didn't spend a lot of time jumping into all the AI technology itself. Cause I think that gets, you know, that, that gets a lot of, uh, airtime i wanted to talk more about like the reality of how are we going to get this stuff working you know i i'm i'm convinced that it, it can be amazing you know um as demonstrated by the data science uh, data center project but anyway is there you know any last uh departing uh, last parting words that that you want to share with the audience before we um call it a call it a show um i think we've covered 
the the yeah the, the best things about about, about Feyred, like our vision and everything. Um, yeah, one thing that I can say is that we have a really really amazing team. Everybody is so excited about making this work. Um, it, it's for me, it's a dream to making it work, and uh, you can see it in the rest of the team. It's 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 such it's such a cool thing I think to see an AI making a factory more efficient. It's I just think it's 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 a little bit like magic in general how AI works, and then seeing it in a domain that uh, I've been really close with for a long period of my life, yeah, it would be uh, really cool. So really excited to make this happen. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I mean, I'm I'm 100% with with Jordi. I mean, for me, you know, and and for all of us at Phaedra, the the number one thing is to is to make real impact. You know, like get this out there into the real world. Like for the for the rest of my life, I will remember vividly um, the very first time that I realized this actually works. You know, that that kind of like oh shit moment. Um, <laughs> I was I was sitting, you know, um, I was sitting in a data center control room in, in Oklahoma, right? So there's a small town in Oklahoma called Pryor, you know, um, and you know this is where Google has some really humongous data centers. Um, so we're just sitting kind of, you know, out, you know, in in, in the middle of you know of Oklahoma, um, in this control room, and we started getting these recommendations from the AI agent, and the the recommendations initially look kind of crazy right where they were like hey you know <laughs> like hey it's summertime but maybe you know you want to consider like you know increasing these temperature set points uh, or hey maybe we want to turn on more equipment even though you're trying to reduce energy consumption like some of these recommendations generally seemed um a bit crazy mm-hmm. but we tried them and they worked right wow and it gets back to you know to the, what we start off this conversation with, which is modern industrial systems are so incredibly complicated that it's really hard to understand what the heck is going on, right? They're incredibly hard to model from a first principle physics perspective. It's very difficult to analyze all the thousands of trends that the equipment are throwing off. Like there's, there's just a lot of complexity that exceeds our own capabilities to understand and therefore optimize them. But, you know, that's not a limitation with AI technologies, right? AI, in fact, thrives in area of, you know, lots of data and high complexity. Right. So I think, you know, for us, you know, having seen what the technology is capable of, like it, it would be amazing if we, if we could replicate what, what we did for Google's data centers, but, you know, in, you know, in, in all these other real world mm-hmm. facilities that, that, you know, have massive, you know, scale and impact of their own, right? And help other people get the benefits of this technology. I think that that would, you know, that'll be a very good day. Yeah, that would be, that would be uh, beyond unbelievable. That'd be amazing. I, you know, I, I grew up working in, uh, in an industrial plant for my first 12 years as an engineer. And uh, I would walk around and, and it just never ceased to amaze me. Every day, something new would happen that I just was like, wow, uh, I've been here like 10 years and uh, this is interesting, you know? And uh, and yeah, so the 
you know, the, the, the general limitations that we have as, as humans and our experiences and the time that, you know, in our, in our whole, like, you know, how, how quick we can absorb things and stuff like that. You know, when you get into these, uh, this technology, you know, like you said, that's not a limitation. So, you know, that, that it really is going to, you know, I love your story about, about, you know, when the recommendations started coming in and, and you're like, oh man, that just, you know, maybe this, you know, maybe this isn't gonna, maybe this isn't gonna work for it, work out very well. They're gonna start <laughs> laughing at us. And then, you know, but lo and behold, you know, there was uh, something that was counterintuitive that came up and it actually uh, worked and, uh, and it worked quite well. So that, that to me is just uh, unbelievably exciting um, to be able to, to be able to put this to use in different places. There's so much that could be done there. You know, um, I've worked in so many different industries and different types of control problems, problems with data. And, um, you know, I've, I've tuned, uh, level controllers, uh, PID level controllers, trying to control just a level of a tank. And I've spent like days trying to get it work to work right. And it's just maddening. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, ow, oh, I have to go to school to learn how to do math to be able to figure that out. Right. And, and that's something that, you know, uh, that little thing right there, you know, I, I think that, you know, AI would just like, oh yeah, no problem. And then it would be able to just figure out, okay. And there's a lot involved. It might sound like controlling a level of a tank or a temperature is easy. It is not. Um, there are so many other things that can influence those types of things and processes. So, um, you know, it is, it is complicated and it's, it's way easy to underestimate. I think it's way easy to underestimate how hard the problem is. And, um, and that's why it's such a neat match to see, to see this. And then, and then the problem you're solving, trying to solve is really how do you generalize this and bring it to market? And how do you have people be able to use it that aren't data science and that it's not crafted solutions? I think that's spot on. So, uh, um, um, yeah, so Jim, Yordi, I really, uh, I really thank you guys for being on the show. Um, for those that, uh, that would like to contact you, would you like to share some contact information? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we do have a website, although the website, you know, will be refreshed soon. Mm -hmm. All right. So don't be scared if it looks a little bit bare bones right now. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, it's our, our website is phaedra.ai, as you might expect, right? Um, on that website, there is also, um, you know, a general contact info for us. So, you know, you'll be able to get in touch. All of the general contact stuff, you know, actually goes to real people. You know, we do read all the stuff that comes in. Great. Right. So, uh, that's by far the best way to to uh, to to reach us. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you guys again for being on the show. Thank really. you too, Lonnie. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. We uh, really, really uh, enjoyed being on, on your podcast. Great. Awesome. Um, OK, everybody, that's it for today. I'm Lonnie Bowling, and I hope you join me again next time for the Time Lords podcast. <laughs>